The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by the Valentine Museum. Its Richmond History Makers event honors the individuals, organizations, objects, and even moments that have shaped Richmond's history over the past 125 years. Thursday, April 11th, part of a week-long celebration at the Valentine. Tickets can be purchased at richmondhistorymakers.com. You're listening to the VPM Daily Newscast. A recap of today's top stories in Central Virginia. From the VPM Newsroom in Richmond, I'm Dantea Price-Lisco. Virginia is the only southern state to not pass new abortion restrictions since Roe v. Wade was overturned last year. VPM News' Jad Khalil reports on how it presents Republicans with difficulties in the upcoming elections. Governor Glenn Youngkin told supporters at a Monday rally his goal for the upcoming legislative elections. Holding the House, flipping the Senate. One thing Youngkin did not mention on this cold fall evening was abortion. Republican candidates in suburban districts like this one in Henrico have dealt with political headwinds on the topic. Youngkin is stumping for Riley Shia, who doesn't support new restrictions. I'm not in favor of further restricting women's rights. I think we need to do a better job of providing other options to women, however. Her Democratic opponent, Delegate Rodney Willett, says the GOP will vote to restrict abortion access regardless. There'll never be a vote to protect abortion access in the Republican Party. There'll be many votes to take it away. Shia wouldn't say how she'd vote if new restrictions came up. Youngkin and other Republicans are upfront about wanting to restrict abortion at 15 weeks, with select exceptions. And they say this is a consensus opinion. Claire McKinney is a political science professor at William & Mary. She says the GOP candidates are trying to thread the needle here. Republicans are trying to keep an anti-abortion base energized while recognizing that moderate voters and Democratic voters are largely in favor of abortion access. McKinney says most abortion restrictions or bans draw arbitrary lines outside of medical consensus. Jad Khalil, VPM News. Construction of a water park resort is beginning in Spotsylvania County along Route 1. According to Virginia Business, the Kalahari Resort is expected to offer over 900 hotel rooms, a 175,000-square-foot indoor water park, 10 acres of outdoor pools, and a 90,000-square-foot adventure park. Kalahari, which attempted to build a park in the Fredericksburg region before the Great Recession, expects the park to open in 2026. Attorney General Jason Miyares announced Tuesday that Virginia is joining 32 other states in a lawsuit against social media company Meta. As Ben Pavier reports, the states allege Meta's products hook teens and children and unlawfully harvests their data. The lawsuit says apps like Instagram are designed to be addictive with features like infinite scroll, which keeps the content coming. At a press conference, Miara said Meta's products violate federal and state privacy and consumer protection laws. He compared their legal effort to pass fights with tobacco companies. We now know they use Joe Camel to try to hook young people into cigarette use. Why? Because if I hook you when you're young, I have a client for at least the next 10 years. Miara said Meta could make changes like verifying users' age, but so far hasn't done so. In a statement to the Associated Press, Meta said it shared the goal of keeping children safe. The company expressed disappointment that the group resorted to legal action rather than working collaboratively on solutions. Ben Pavier, VPM News. As a note, Meta's subsidiary Facebook is a VPM donor. 
The Freedom of Information Act, or FOIA, is how Americans access government documents and information. Studies show when governments are more open, there's more confidence, less corruption, and even cleaner drinking water. As part of the VPM News segment, Curious Commonwealth, a listener recently asked this question. Is it true that Virginia has some of the weakest FOIA laws in the country? And what can the state do to strengthen them? VPM News reporters Megan Polly and Ben Pavier looked into the issue. Between them, they've made dozens of FOIA requests in Virginia. But Ben wanted to get a sense of what the process is like for a non-journalist, so he spoke to Alice Minium. Ben, tell us what happened to Minium. Her story begins in 2020, in the midst of the racial justice protests that gripped Richmond. Minium was a protester and says she kept seeing police act in ways she felt were inappropriate. And it was always officers who wouldn't identify themselves. And I saw people get hurt. Minium decided to set up a website so that people could find out the names of officers they encountered. She called it Open Oversight VA. So there's a search engine. You can search by gender and race and unit and police department out of all of these police departments. When she started filing FOIA requests last year to build out that site, Minium asked all Virginia law enforcement agencies for a roster of their officers and their policy manuals. And most just handed that over. But the Richmond Police Department said it would cost her almost $8,000 for their manual. They claimed it would take them over 150 hours to redact it. I don't think that was in good faith. I think that's pretty common sense that that's not in good faith. It shouldn't take the cost of like a used car to find out how your police department runs. The cost was enough to scare Minium away, at least in that case. All right, let's step back for a moment. Megan Polly, you've spoken to some experts about how government transparency in Virginia stacks up against some other states. Is it true, like the listeners suggest, that Virginia FOIA laws are weak? So, yes, some aspects of Virginia FOIA laws definitely do make for less government transparency compared to other states. For one, Virginia is among about a third of states in which agencies can charge for the time it takes them to search for the records and redact them which some agencies interpret as a requirement to charge. And other states don't charge for the time? Some don't, especially if an agency finds it's in the public's interest to release the records. Other states just charge for copy fees. And when Virginia agencies don't comply with records requests or send unreasonable cost estimates, the only recourse is to sue. Virginia also has some exemptions that experts say stand out as particularly bad, Gunita Singh, an attorney at the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press, says perhaps the most notorious is the working papers and correspondence exemption, which applies to officials like the governor and city mayors. It's definitely one of the broader executive privileges in the country, and it's unfortunate that courts and agencies don't often um, honor the, the presumption in favor of disclosure and the mandate to narrowly construe exemptions to, to disclosure. But also, what is a working paper? I never even heard that term until I came to Virginia. Well, that's part of the problem, actually. The definition is really vague. It just says records for the public officials, quote, personal or deliberative use. So in what ways does Virginia do a good job? So the time agencies legally have to send records in Virginia is pretty speedy compared to a lot of other states. Experts told me Virginia is among about a third of states that require record keepers to either respond or send them in about a week. Some other states give agencies a few weeks, and the remaining states have no deadlines. Instead, those states have vague language requiring records to be sent in a, quote, reasonably prompt manner. But here's the kicker. The timeline is great in theory, 
but not always in practice. Here's David Coulier, director of the Breckner Freedom of Information Project at the University of Florida. Interestingly, the reasonably prompt states are actually reasonably prompt. In general, they're as fast or faster than the ones with deadlines. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah, and Coulier analyzed thousands of public records requests submitted to state agencies across the country and found that in Virginia, less than a quarter of the time people asked for something, they got it. Only four other states had a worse compliance rate, New Jersey, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Alabama. Coulier says he thinks that's partly because Virginia can charge so much for records and has so many exemptions. But as we mentioned earlier, there's also just a lack of recourse for unfilled requests. So what can be done about the lack of compliance? So compliance can depend on how an individual agency interprets the law. It can also come down to personalities. Experts told me there's a tendency for agencies in Virginia to presume records are private to begin with. Given this landscape, some suggest calling the FOIA officer to establish a rapport before filing a request. There's this general notion that you'll get further with honey than vinegar. So are you saying laws aside, you're more likely to get what you're asking for by just being nice? Possibly, but Coolier also tells me some research suggests that strongly worded requests are actually tied to higher compliance, like getting an attorney to send a letter threatening litigation. Coolier says states should force agencies to pay up if they don't comply with FOIA. He says sometimes this is what it takes to get them to take these requests seriously. So, Ben, we've talked about how hard it can be to pry records from the government and how sometimes you just need to sue. But that sounds like a pretty steep hurdle. Well, that's what I thought, too. But then I talked to Richmond resident Jeff Thomas. He was interested in learning more about this guy, Bert Ellis, who was this businessman that Governor Glenn Youngkin appointed to the University of Virginia Board of Visitors. Ellis had attacked diversity, equity and inclusion programs at UVA. So Thomas filed a FOIA request to see Ellis's text messages. Thomas didn't get any response from UVA in the required time, so he petitioned the court. He's not a lawyer, but says the process is pretty simple. It doesn't require extensive legal research. It doesn't require extraordinary effort. You just have to find this one-page form, uh, Virginia Form DC-495, which is free online. So the case goes to trial, and lo and behold, Thomas wins. But the attorney general's office and UVA don't like the verdict. And then they told the judge they were going to appeal. And that was just a delay tactic. In the meantime, Ellis goes up for a vote in the General Assembly and narrowly gets approved. All of a sudden, Thomas says UVA gave up on its appeal and handed over most of Ellis's redacted text. Their inflammatory content sparked headlines across the country and eventually an apology from Ellis. Thomas says it was worth the trouble. It's not chess, it's checkers when you file a FOIA lawsuit. I'm not a great public speaker. I certainly did not feel intimidated by going before uh, a judge who just wanted to get the facts in front of her. One person to talk to if you're going down this road is Megan Ryan at the Virginia Coalition for Open Government. She's a great resource for anyone with a FOIA question. All right. I think you both have given us a lot to think about. So thank you for your help with this one. Thanks, Whitney. Thanks. We should disclose VPM News and reporter Ben Pavier filed suit in January against the Virginia Department of Education for release of draft policies concerning transgender students. VPM News and Pavier were represented by the Reporters' Committee for Freedom of the Press. For more information about Curious Commonwealth, visit vpm.org curious. This has been the VPM Daily Newscast. Some of these stories may have changed since the newscast was recorded. 
You can stay connected to what matters by heading to vpm.org slash news or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyVPM. PM.